everyone. Joe Soto here. Welcome to the Not Your Average Joe Show. Today, we're going to talk about life on your own terms. We're going to talk about how to create a champion mindset and a victor mentality, even during turbulent times. I've got a special guest for everyone. Just stick with us. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. Hey, we have Rex Sykes with us. Hi, Rex. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Joe. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm the one who's honored and privileged to be on your show. <laughs> well, listen, I don't know if I would have this show if it wasn't for you. And let's give I'm going to give everybody a little bit of backstory. Is that OK? Is that OK? Before you before I have you give a backstory. OK, cool. So my backstory for everyone uh, listening or watching here is um, I was very fortunate, very blessed when I was in uh, my uh, senior year of college to have gotten, gotten, got my NLP practitioner training. And then um, following that, I sought out who should I get my NLP master practitioner training from. And one of the top, literally one of the top uh, training institutes in the world was owned and ran by Rex Stephen Sykes. And so I got my master practitioner training in neuro-linguistic programming and NLP with the great, the one and only NLP master trainer, uh, Rex Sykes. And I had earlier on, on my show, uh, on episode two, I had Wyatt Woodsmall, also a pioneer in the field of NLP. And like you, had also worked for years with Richard Bandler, although I think you even worked even longer um, with Richard. But nonetheless, um, the master practitioner NLP really set me on a trajectory that has been unforgettable for me. And, and I'm so happy and, and, and uh, blessed to have you have had that kind of impact in my life. You were one of my early mentors. In fact, probably the most important early NLP mentors that I had. You taught me things like, I remember a conversation we had about getting out of my own way. You were telling me, Joe, you can have anything you want in life if you just learn how to get out of your own way. And um, you were the one that really instilled the self-responsibility mindset. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but why don't you share with everyone a little bit more than that? Because I know you're you're so much more than your background in NLP training. You're you've got all these different things you've done with your life, and and uh, and I, I can't wait to talk about some of the stuff in your new book. Um, and so, if people want to learn about mindset, just stay with us. We got some really cool stuff to get into. But Rex, give us a little bit of backstory on you. Well, first off, let me say that you know it's the it's a blessing. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's it's life is so cool when I can share something and someone can take it and, and accomplish what they want with it. And that's exactly what you have done. And uh, and, and more power to you. I always liken myself and 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 the book is the same to a quarterback handing the ball or passing the ball to one of the other players so that that person can score. And then what I've done is I've I've given it to them and they've run and taken taken it and 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 changed their life, transformed their life, you know, um, in 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 innumerable and immeasurable ways, you know. Um, so that is a privilege. That is that is that is what makes life truly good. When when a student can surpass the teacher, that's what it's all about. That's how it should be. We should always be passing the torch to someone else. And uh, and so I wrote the book for that reason. My background is I'm a father. I'm 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 a proud dad, and uh, I wear many hats, and they are just hats. They're just labels for the different kinds of things or interests that I have and I do. Um, I, I'm a meditator. <laughs> I, I, I you know my background when it came to teaching neurolinguistic programming, writing the book, and the programs that I do now, is 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 a collection of standing on the shoulders of giants and of having various experiences in my own life that have contributed to, to what I offer. So meditation is one, acting and filmmaking and directing is another, uh, the ability to, to public speak. I did magic and mind reading, you know, and, and performed live around the world. Um, you say that so nonchalantly. I did magic and mind reading. I performed all around the world. You've acted in shows and movies and um, I have a movie coming out this month too. So I mean, yeah, it's cool. Awesome, very cool. 
Well, okay. So let's, I want to dive into, um, you know, I, I recently did a video on my top, my favorite mindset books on, yes. on YouTube. And I offered a bonus book when I did that video and your book was the bonus book. <laughs> and so what a treat to have you also come on here. And, and some people may be familiar with Joe Vitale. He was one of the stars of The Secret that came out and was like a phenom movie on uh, personal development and the law of attraction. And he he's on the cover of your book saying that the book is eye-opening. Um, and this book for me was reinforcement of the stuff I learned in your master practitioner training taken to a whole nother level and degree. And so I have a lot of questions around it. Is it okay if I ask some questions around some of the mindset principles in the book that I think everyone watching and listening will be taking notes from? Is sure. It, okay. So, and, and let me just say one thing. Um, as you know from NLP training and different trainings that you've done all of your, you know, your life and your experience, sometimes people are trying to change their experience. They're trying to change their life. They're trying to learn something new. And they get all these moving parts. They get all these pieces, all these things they have to memorize, all these techniques and, and strategies and everything else. My goal has always been to simplify it. If, 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 if you can't do it with four things, you're not going to do it with 40. You know, so my goal has been to make it as easy, as simple and as fun and as available as possible. So the mindset principles are ones that, you know, they sometimes they they may seem silly or trite or easy, you know, but they are essentially memory pegs. If you can remember the principle, you can operate very well. And and that, and that's what this is all about is 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 having these easily memory pegged principles that that can guide you through your daily experience and help you to accomplish really incredible things. Yeah, I, I'll comment on that because attending your when you did your live residential retreat trainings, and just so you guys know, these master practitioner trainings were, you know, two weeks and, you know, in the wilderness of Wisconsin. Right. And I I remember you know, you feeling uncomfortable, feeling awkward, feeling a little weird. I thought some of it was like, you know, strange and, 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 but all of it helped us learn and integrate the material better, which was your goal. And you also introduced that, you know, tr uh, learning and, and training is fun and can be fun. And you'll learn more when it's fun. Your book is fun. It's packed. It's packed with, with, I, I could probably make a thousand Instagram quotes out of your book. Just Please, do. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. You should. Um, and 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 uh so a couple things on here. All right. So one is, you know, and you mentioned uh chapter three, you title. It's my favorite title in the book. It's not my favorite chapter. They're they're all good, but I have a favorite chapter. I'll tell you in a minute. But chapter three, listen to this, everyone. He calls it there's no such thing as self-sabotage. What a what a what a great hook and contrarian view in the title alone to what most people do believe in, which is that we're self-sabotaging ourselves. But what do you mean by that? Let's talk about what you mean by that. We are amazing creatures. We learn so many things. We're born almost as a blank slate. We might have, have come in with some, you know, predisposition, you know, DNA kind of, you know, genetic baggage. But essentially, we show up as a lump of flesh without any words. We haven't read any books. We've not come to any seminars. We've not done anything. We're just a lump of flesh that's been pushed out of another human being. And there we are. And from that moment, we begin learning. We begin absorbing like a sponge. We hear everything. We don't quite see everything yet. You know, that that comes in. But we get we get Im impulses and signals from those around us that we can't even we, we don't know how to interpret. You know, we don't we don't have a language. And and from this state, we learn to speak through babbling and talking. We learn to move and to 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 crawl and to sit up and, and ultimately feed ourselves and to walk. We learn to feel good, you know, and we learn when we don't feel good, when we've wet ourselves, soiled ourselves, or when we're hungry, we know to cry. We know to, to somehow make a sound. And somebody comes along, hopefully, you know, a benevolent person comes along and, and, and meets our needs. And so we learn so many things about the world, about ourselves, about uh, how we get our needs met. And uh, and from zero to about seven, we're just a, a hypnotic sponge. We're just picking up beliefs that are um, 
both that serve us very well and beliefs that serve us very, very poorly. We learn the world is either a good place or a not so good place. Money is either easy to come by or hard to come by. We either learn we're a person of worth and we deserve all sorts of great things or we're really a lowly, low life, you know, sad person who has nothing going for themselves. And, and none of these are true. None of them are written in stone. It's just what we acquire in the living experience. And one of the concepts that we have acquired um, and thanks to psychology, you know, and everything else, is that we somehow can interfere with ourselves. We somehow can sabotage ourselves. It's as if we want to do something and then we deliberately thwart that. And, and then we feel bad, we lose out, we miss out. And then we, and then we go, well, see, you know, I proved myself right. I'm, I'm really a toad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not, I'm not valuable. When in fact, why I say there's no such thing as sabotage is your brain works perfectly well to deliver a result. Whatever that result is, whatever you learned, if you learn to feel good, it will deliver that. If you learn to feel bad, it, you will, it will deliver that. If you learn you're a person of worth, it will deliver that. If you learned you're a person of no worth, it will deliver that. If you, if you believe you can do anything you put your mind to, you learn that. If you believe you can't do anything you put your mind to, you've learned that. And so what happens is the brain just does what the brain does and we don't like the result. So we say, well, I screwed myself over or I sabotaged myself. That's fighting. That's like a red herring. It's, it's like it's a distraction. It's an excuse. It's the wrong emphasis. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is say, you know what? I have good habits and I have not so good habits and I, and I, and I let the not so good habits rule. So what do I want to do? I want to shift. I want to learn from this experience. And instead of directing my attention to go with the bad habits, I'm going to redirect and go with the good habits. So you're not sabotaging yourself. You're working perfectly well to get a result that you don't intend. I love that. That's great. That's a great view and frame for looking at it. Well, we, we, I mean, yeah. when you think about it, we, we're, we're perfect, but we are, we're perfect. We're getting the result that we want. Pardon me. It just doesn't mean we, we're getting the result that we want, even though we're perfect. Well, right. And, and, and here's, here's what I, here's one of my principles, adjust and continue, keep going, keep moving, just make adjustments, make corrections and, and, and go along. You know, um, I wrote the book to have people claim their power back because most people feel powerless either from circumstances, either because they're locked in their homes or they're not locked in their homes or they don't have a job or they do have a job or they have a spouse that they don't like, or they, you know, their kids, whatever. All of the attention tends to go to the outer world, to the things, to the circumstances, to the events and to the people that cause us, or even ourselves that cause us frustration and grief and sadness and despair and, and negativity and failure. And all of that, all of that is a distraction from your power. Where your power is, is hidden right behind all those fears, all those worries, all those concerns, all of the, all of your talents, all of your resources, all of your abilities are right there. And yet, and yet they're covered, they're, they're cloaked. So what I, what the point of the book was to help people get back in touch with that power, find it within themselves and to move forward, not thinking that they're screwing themselves up, but that they can do anything they put their mind to. And Henry Ford, and I'll, 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 I'll stop talking in a second, but Henry Ford said, you know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you are correct. It's one of my favorite quotes because it has nothing to do with truth. It has to do with your perception. Either you believe you can or you believe you can't. And either way, you will act accordingly. So no sabotage there. If you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. If you do believe it, you might do it, you know. And then he said something really important, not necessarily in the same conversation, but he said, I never let what I can't do prevent me from doing what I can do. And yet that's not what most people do. They say, you know what? It's, right. it's religion. It's my parents. It's my children. It's whatever that prevents me from being who I am. You can be who you are. You can live your life on your terms and you can create the life that you want very easily, very simply, and with a lot of fun, actually. I love that. And this leads me to ask a question. And what I did was I kind of went through and I had some questions I have personally from the book that might help other people. But for yeah. selfish reasons, I'm asking them because like everyone here, we're always looking to grow. Um, and sometimes we get really bogged down and focused on what's happened in the past. And it's even the recent past, like what's gone on with the uh, the world, with this this 
global pandemic that's kind of bonded everyone together. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously uh, there's different people who tend to focus more on the past than others. But how do we learn from and let go of the past? Like what would be a tip or, you know, a, a um, what would you advise someone who says, you know, how do I like how do I let go of the past? Maybe that's something that's burdening me when I think about it. And how do they how do they learn from it and move on? You got to create a little bit of distance. It's kind of like, you know, you're in the uh, museum and you're standing next to a painting and you got to back up and take a look at the painting so that you can take it all in. You know, you're just too close to it standing where you are. So you physically, literally, physically inside yourself, create new space. You stop, you take a deep breath and you, and you, you create a pause between what's going on and, and where you are. If you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got, goes to saying. And so that's what habits are. And that's what we're trying to do is to learn how to redirect from habits that serve us um, in a way that makes us feel bad and get the results that we don't want to habits that serve us that make us feel good and, and get the results that we do want and that blow us away, you know, that, 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 that uh, we enjoy. So you literally, you want to create physical space distance. Now, um, Again, another principle is when you're stuck, what does stuck imply? You're asking me? <laughs> well, it means you can't move forward. You can't move. We can't move in any direction if you're stuck, essentially. Yeah. So you can't move. So what do you need to do to get unstuck? You move. You move. Do something. Yeah. Right. So, so the goal is just to create movement. Anything's right? better than more of the same thing. Doesn't work. I said anything's better than more of the same thing that doesn't work. So move. Right. So the thing is, is to stop doing what you're doing and do anything else. <laughs> anything else. You know, it's like if you're stopped, if you're stopped on the road. You know, at a four-way stop, you can go right, you can go left, you can go forward, you can go back, you can go wherever you want. You have a choice. So the first thing is just to stop, interrupt the pattern, stop the cycle of you know what I'm. I'm caught in this loop of of negativity. I'm caught in this loop of of horrible self-talk that just rags on me. I'm talk, I'm, I'm caught in a loop of self-doubt or fear or worrying about stuff. I'm caught in the loop of, you know, there's never enough money at the end of the month kind of thing. So you need to stop, take a deep breath, get some distance from what it is that you're thinking about and then do anything else. Redirect your attention. It's like stop, drop and roll. You know, if you were, if you suddenly were caught with a, you know, in flames and a fire and you're running from a house, what do they tell you to do? Stop, drop, and roll to put the fire out. So in this case, you stop, take a deep breath, and then do anything else. Ask yourself a different question, direct your mind in a different way. Letting go is not that hard. I mean, I, I have here an, an, you know, a, 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 this, and to let go, all I have to do is open my hand and let go. It's just a matter of dropping it. People make issues out of it. They, they overthink dropping it. You know, mm -hmm. if you've ever dropped a glass or a food or a bag or anything, you, you know, it's just, you just release it. And people go, well, how do I release it? You release it by releasing it. You release it by going, I'm releasing this. Take a deep breath, forgive yourself, allow yourself permission to be who you are. You know, the problem that people have, well, you in the master track, but the problem that many people have is that they believe their inner dialogue. Yeah. As if it's gospel, as if whatever they're saying to themselves is true. So we create these stories about what's going on in the world. And what's going on in our past and how our past prevents us from being who we want to be now and how that will keep us from being who we want to be in the future. And, and we've got this whole scenario. So rewrite it. And we, this is, that's really powerful. And once again, you have such a simple way of, of explaining what often is explained as complex principles in NLP, like association, disassociating it. And your example, the museum and getting, get it, getting, physical and mental distance from what you're too close to, which causes the emotions that make it hard for you to be able to make decisions to move forward when you're that close to it and you can't really properly self-evaluate is, is awesome. But I love also when you said, don't believe your own internal dialogue, not, not all of it, right? We tell ourselves stories as, and as if it's the gospel and as if it's truth, when, it may not be true at all. And this is where our own belief systems can get, get in our own way or at least prevent us from getting to where we want as fast as we want to get there. Um, you talk about, and you, this is something I really, this is probably one of the most important things I took from my master practitioner training with you, Rex. And I think it can benefit everyone to understand this because it jarred me when you first said it, which was 
affirmations often don't work. And in fact, can be a waste of time or even sometimes harm you, right? Like, or just be a waste. And so, um, and you came up with something instead, and it was very simple. I've seen books being written. I've seen people teaching these principles since then, who, for lack of a better word, borrowed some of these strategies from you and maybe didn't give you proper credit. I know you know who these people are. I've been on stage with some of these people even. But most people don't realize that what you're about to explain kind of was rooted with you. You were the first person, at least I, that I could find that was saying this so early on. I'm talking about 1996. I mean, way back when you were first telling me about them. And you call it. And so let's talk about if it's not affirmations, what should it be? Can we go down that rabbit hole a little bit? Yeah. Affirmations can work, but you have to know how to make them work. And they work through repetition by being consistent, by doing it repeatedly for long enough in order to take hold. It's, it's called auto-suggestion. It's been around since the dawn of humankind or since recorded history. Napoleon Hill talked a lot about it in, in his books. And, uh, and so they can work. The issue with affirmations is not whether affirmations work. I mean, I, I said the affirmations don't work. You know. Um but it's how do you get them to work? And most people, sadly, what happens with most people is they don't do things for long enough. You know, our culture is the rule of three. It's like, if first you don't succeed, try, try again, and then what? Quit. Quit. Yeah, I mean, yeah you know, it's, it's, you know, first base, second base, third base, and then you're home. So people try, they dabble, they do things, and then they don't, they don't get the results. So they go, well, I tried it. It doesn't work. They do that with the law of attraction. They do that with affirmations. They do that with NLP techniques. They do it with, you know, I tried to communicate with my wife, but you know what? It just didn't work. You got to be in for the long haul. You know, you can't just go, I tried it once. You know, that's like putting your toe in the water and dabbling and saying, well, I, I tried swimming. Mm. Um, and in and, and the workshop that you were in, I used an, another thing. I go, your piston in your car can't just go one time. You know, it has, it has to continually go in order to make your car move. And you can take what other, other metaphor you want to use or another analogy for yeah. things pumping. But the point is, is that the way that you, what happens in, 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 when people affirm something and originally what happens is, is, is they say, for example, I suck. I am no good at that. Now, they've been affirming that forever. It's a negative affirmation, meaning that it has a negative feeling. It's a negative thought. They end up with negative consequences as a result. But it's still an affirmation. They're affirming. They are, they are declaring. They are asserting that they're not good at something or that they're unworthy or that they're stupid. You know, I'm stupid. Um, nothing I've ever done has ever worked out. I don't know how to make money. Those are all affirmations. Anytime you make a declarative sentence or an assertion, you know. Now, the only person who can make a declaration technically in a court of law is the judge or the jury. They're ordained to be to have that power. The witness can't make an assertion and a declaration. They can't go, I am not guilty. Only the judge or the jury can. So what happens with us is we have to know what our role is. So if we're making declarative statements, it's kind of like, well, who died and gave you that authority? How do you know you're stupid? How do you know you can't do that? How do you know that that nothing works out for you? You haven't tried long enough. You have only based it on the experiences that you've had, the dabbling that you've had, the results that you got. And then you drew a conclusion, which is a premature conclusion, or as some people call it, premature cognitive commitment, to say, that's it. I'm done. I three tries and I'm done. I'm out. You know, I'm home. There's nothing further for me to do. I, I, I gave it a try. So what I discovered, think about it this way. I woke up on the ground. I wasn't out very long, but I, I, I woke up on the ground, having jumped out of a two-story window, landed on my head and thought, I won't say the word, I can't even kill myself. I failed at killing myself. I, I tried to kill myself when I was a young man, 25 years old, and I failed at it, fortunately, and I'm very happy to say that was one thing I did not succeed at that I'm exquisitely happy about. But at the time, I was like, see, I mean, I totally suck. I can't even, I can't even end my own life right. So I locked myself in an apartment, in the apartment that I had jumped out of, not right then, but shortly thereafter, and said, I'm not going to leave this apartment until I can face the world, until I can figure out what I need to do in order to, to, to succeed in the world, to live, to, 
to have the relationships I want, the careers I want, and the, the life that I want. And I sat in a chair and I started to affirm. And and I'd say, I am I'm I'm confident and I'm great. And I just felt so crappy. <laughs> Every time I say I'm confident, I'd go, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I have this history of look at how bad I am. So whenever I said I was good, I would have a negative feeling. And this is what happens for a lot of people. So what did they do? They quit, they give up, they say, I tried it, it didn't work. Well, Napoleon Hill said, you can make it work, but you got to keep doing it. You can convince yourself, you can lie to yourself, and you can, can you know, you can auto-suggest, but you got to do it every day. You got to do it throughout the day. You got to, and I've done that too, and it does work. But what I found was that while I was in the throes of feeling horrible, I started to go, how come this happens to me? Why does, why does nothing work out? How come I'm such a klutz? Why am I so stupid? And how, how, God, why is my life not working? How, how could I be so dumb? You know? And I, and I, and at some point I woke up to the fact that while I was asking these questions, I was insulting myself. I was negatively affirming the very things that, that I was asking about. Why am I stupid? Well, who says I'm stupid? I do. Well, based on what? Well, based on my past. Okay. Well, what if I weren't stupid? What if I don't know everything? What if what if there were a God or somebody else or the universe that looked at me differently and said, you just haven't aimed your head right. You just don't know where you're going. You know, it's kind of like when you watch an ant walking on the sidewalk and you look at it, and you go, well, you know, it looks like it's going to go right off the cliff because it doesn't know any better. You can see it. The ant may not see it. And that's how I felt. Suddenly I was like, I gained this distance on myself and started to look and go, Look at that poor human insulting himself constantly. I wonder how he could think differently. How could I think differently? What if I could think differently? What if I could feel better? What if I could feel better about me? What if when I think about myself, I start to feel good? And I started to ask questions like, how soon am I going to be confident? How soon can I find myself feeling confident? Not how long is it going to take, because that's what everybody will ask. How long is this going to take? How much pain must I go through? How 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 horrible do I need to suffer before? I went, how soon can this happen? If it could happen in a fun way, how could I make it fun? What would be different about me? Where in my body will I first start to feel good that it lets me know that I'm on the right track? And I started to fill my mind with questions. And here's why this is important. If I say, Joe, what's the capital of Arizona? You can say Flagstaff or whatever it is. You know, it's not a yes or no question. It's a question you don't know the answer to. How many different ways can I feel good? I have no idea. In how many ways am I worthy? I have no idea. Now, so you ask questions you don't know the answer to. Your brain has to go look for it. Your brain learns from association. That's why when you say, oh, I had this friend once and that you think of that friend and then you think of the other friends, you think of other circumstances, you think of all sorts of things that that your brain finds around that. So if you say, how come I'm so stupid? Your brain will go, well, when you were four, you stuck your head in a toaster. You don't have the right parents. You didn't have the right money. Your education sucked. The government holds you back. If you say, how come I'm so brilliant? Your brain will say, well, because you had this teacher and you were good at art and you were, but here's what people need to know. Whichever you do most frequently is the one that's easiest to do. What do you so mean? you're actually critical on yourself. That's what's easiest to do because that's what you do. That's your habit. That's what's reliable. That's what your brain knows. That's why there's no sabotage when your brain does that for you. It's doing what you've done all along. And if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. And to think that you should get otherwise is the definition of insanity because you're just constantly reaffirming or re-evaluating or reliving or re-whatever what you've always done. So you need to do something different. And when you do something different, it's not always easy at first. It's like if you decided you wanted to learn to juggle today and had never juggled, and that's why in the master track and different programs we taught juggling, yeah. is to say you're going to drop the balls. It's going to take a while. But after a while, if you keep at it, you'll get so that you can juggle. If you keep asking the correct questions, what I call directed questions, you ask those questions of yourself, your brain, it'll get easier and easier and easier. And then you'll be able to affirm, too. You'll be able to go, wow, I am truly confident because you've been asking questions like how many different ways am I confident? How many 
ways can I discover myself feeling good and thinking positive about myself? And, you know, and so you, you stop, take a deep breath, leave the other way and redirect your mind and shift to the new way. So I, I liken it like this, you know, dog crap or diamonds, dog crap or diamonds, dog crap or diamonds, choose. Dog crap or diamonds? Yeah, choose. I love it. I love it. And and most people go dog crap and they rub it all over themselves and they go dog crap, you know. So people become more conscious of the questions they ask themselves and they understand that it's questions that send your brain on this search to find an answer. What type of questions would you want to ask yourself to send yourself on a positive search? You actually write about this in your book. You say, and I put it up here, send your brain on a positive search. I love that statement. And uh, this is what you're talking about right now is that if you're going to, how do you do that? So if I said, how do you send your brain on a positive search? Your answer would be with directed questions that can empower you, not disempower you. And if you're going to ask yourself a question, you might as well make the most of it, right? Well, let me let me ask let me let me go around this way and let's see if we can make sense of it this way. Have you ever lost anything? Yes. And and and, and the thing that you lost, did you know what it was? Yes. Did you know where it was? Do I know where it was? No. And you ask yourself, I wonder where it's at. Right. But you knew what you lost. Yes. All right. So in the same way, you send your brain on a positive search for what it is you lost. I mean, think of it that way. In other words. I want to feel better, send my brain on a search for feeling better. I want to make more money, send my brain on a search to make more money. I want to get along better with my children, send my brain on a search to get along better with my children. In other words, stop searching for all the reasons why you can't and what doesn't work and how it's wrong and and the 50 different strategies you might need and just go, you know what? I'd really like to communicate better with my family and how many different ways can I discover myself being open and available and, and how many ways can I find myself being more loving? If I were more loving, how would I behave? How would I feel? What are the five feelings I would feel most if I were truly connecting with my children? You know, you, you ask questions, you send your mind in the search for what it is you want because you know what you're going after unless you don't. <laughs> Right, which is step one. What do you want? Knowing what you want, but we won't spend a lot of time on that. I, uh, my favorite chapter in the book is chapter twenty. It's it, here's the title. Just for you guys who I keep who have been on here for a while now listening, um, I love the titles of his chapters. But this one is "Stop Creating Trauma, Drama, and Crap in Your Life." <laughs> so I love that. And this is really a chapter that reinforces something that I originally um, had read that um, Wayne Dyer talks about being the core competent of worthiness, which is, it's in the book, Manifest Your Destiny. And he he says, uh, to be willing to accept total responsibility for yourself puts you in a position of being worthy of receiving and attracting the objects you desire. You were the person who really first spoke to, and and it resonated with me, around this whole self-responsibility mindset, taking 100% responsibility for what happens to you in your life puts you in a position, and it may not always be true. There might be outside circumstances and things that stand in our way, get in our way, but how we respond to it is up to us. And that 100% responsibility, I was coming from somebody who had lost both of his parents at 18. I had two children before I was 21. I was facing a lot of adversity. I didn't have really any, I had no parental support. I had very little family support just because of the nature of the way my environment and situation was. And you were one of the early people. I mean, this is 1996. I'm hearing this from you. And I had a choice. Either I could accept that and figure out how do I turn things my way and take complete responsibility. And if it's and, it's and it's from this day forward, which you also emphasize in this book, it's it's about what are you doing with the present moment going forward? Because that's up to us to design now. We can design that out. So, um, and you say when you accept full responsibility for everything going on, you begin to access your inner strength and power to what you said earlier. So how tell talk to me a little bit about what people about this mindset and how people can choose to adopt it. Instead of be, you know, instead of putting yeah. the blame elsewhere, how do they remove the blame frame in their life? By asking different questions. Instead oh, yeah. of 
if, if, you, if your question is what's wrong or why am I wrong, you have to say what's right or why am I right or how can I find the right areas? You have to stop. You know, we started with the idea of standing at a, in a painting in the, in the museum and backing up to get distance and looking at the painting, but you can also step forward and look at the brush strokes, the play of light, the texture. You can look at all the different elements that go into making up the painting. So you change your perspective by going forward and backward. You know, a lot of times what happens with people is when they get stressed physically, you know, our brain background in whole brain learning and accelerated learning is that when we are faced with a problem, whether that's a problem taking a test in school or problem solving in our life or between people or out in the nature and a bear is changing us, what happens physiologically is adrenaline starts pumping. So if somebody gives you the finger, they tell you something wrong, and emotionally we respond very similar to being, you know, chased by a bear in the woods. We have fight or flight or freeze, and um, and when we when we get into that fight or flight mode, we have adrenaline, and the adrenaline is there so that we can escape, so we can run away. So blood literally leaves the bulk of our body; it, it goes to our extremities, so we can run really fast. Our peripheral vision shuts down, so we can move, you know, straight and and see what's ahead of us and stuff like that. So when we are frustrated, when we're hurting, when we're sad, we have a particular focus on an issue. And what we need to do is, again, gain distance and perspective. If you've ever put together puzzles, I don't know if we did this in your master track, but we did in many of the programs. We would have people try and do a puzzle with four or five people, you know, multiple puzzles all thrown together and, you know, a pretty difficult exercise. And we say, go put it together. Very difficult. And, and so after a while, we tell people if, they, if they're looking at it to get up and stand on a chair and look at it, because typically people look at it from the same vantage point, like on a tabletop, or they look, they don't change their perspective. But if you get up on the chair and you now have changed the perspective of what you're looking at, you see different things. You might see, oh, there's a corner piece, or there's this, or there's that, or here's how it all fits together. Um, I was too close to it, or I was too far away from it. You know, so it's a, it's a matter of adjusting. So that said, it's always about movement. Stop, take a deep breath, and move. Stop, take a deep breath, move, which is the basis of the attitude activator, the basis of a lot of change work is you have to stop, become aware of that there is an issue or a problem, or aware of the negative voice in your head or the negative pictures or the situation that's going on. Stop, take a deep pause, a breath, and then move in a positive direction. Dog crap or diamonds, don't go back to the dog crap move forward with the diamonds. So I love it. Responsibility. I'm never saying that it's true. None of what I say is true. They're useful lies. They could be true. They could not be true. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm an actor. Okay. I, you know, I grew up in theater and in film. Um, when I play a serial killer, I don't actually kill anybody. I don't actually, you know, and I don't need that in my past. And I played a lot of killers. Because <laughs> look at his face. It's got the killer face written out over it, right? That's right. So, um, killers, drug addicts, rapists, you know. Now I play dads, drunks, priests, you know. <laughs> Great. You, know, you don't actually kill anybody. So the same thing is it doesn't matter. Our dialogue inside our head, the, the talk that we've listened to for years, isn't necessarily true. We may have believed it all this time, and now it's saying, you know what? I don't have to believe this anymore. I don't have to believe I'm a schmuck. I don't have to believe I can't do things. I don't have to believe that life is hard. I don't have to believe that I can't make money. I can believe what I want. Same thing with responsibility. When you take responsibility and go, I'm responsible for everything that's going on. I'm responsible that I have no life. I'm responsible that I have no money. I'm responsible that nobody likes me. I'm responsible. You now are stepping into your power where you can begin to change that. Because if you've created the mess, you can uncreate the mess. Just don't buy into it is, is the point. Don't, don't, don't go, okay, I created this mess. Now I'm going to go eat worms, which is what some people do. And then they wallow and they, they, I'm a survivor. I'm, you know, I'll never get over it. You know, my life ended when I was 19. Take responsibility for where you are right now and your attitude towards it. Now you said something really important. Yeah. There are circumstances that come along, you know, can you, can you control the weather? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you can. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you really can. I mean, they say that the flapping of the butterfly wings in South America affects the currents in Washington state, you know, so maybe you do. Yeah. 
And maybe it's just so far apart that you you don't, you know, maybe our whole collective consciousness, the zeitgeist that we have, is determinant for what's going on right now. Maybe all the chaos and confusion in the world is because a lot of people are thinking chaos and confused thoughts. But even if it's not, you can use it to your advantage by going, if I assume that that's true, if I assume I create this mess, now I, I can uncreate the mess. Now I can create the positive stuff because I am responsible. I am the author of my life. If you're not the author of your life, if you, in other words, if you're sitting in the backseat of the car, you're going for a ride by who's ever driving the car. If yeah. you're driving the car, you determine where you want to go. Now, maybe the roads get closed or there's detours or, or a fire comes up and you have to change direction. Okay. Go with it. You know, yeah. in, in other words, responsibility means that as things come up, you adjust and continue. You you correct and continue. You keep going. You don't have to stop. You don't have to give up. You don't have to throw in the towel. My dog is not throwing in the towel. She continues to bark all along going, hey, I'm here. Let me out. Let me out. Okay. You forewarned me and people don't mind. Good. Yeah. So, you know what I'm, so, you know what I'm saying? And, and she's, she's very well taken care of. She's just letting us know she's there. So, so the, the point is, is that you, when you claim your life back and that's what the whole book is about is to claim your life back so that you can do something. If the, if the, it's that old saying, if the world hands you lemons, make lemonade, it's what you do with it. If somebody gives you the finger, you can react, which is to give the finger back and swear or whatever, or you could respond differently. That's why. And what do you have to do to respond differently? Stop. Take a deep breath and do anything else. Because if yeah. you do the same thing, you'll be giving them the finger. Yeah. So it's, it's great. Learning to create those pauses, those deliberate pauses that give you space that allow you to move forward, backward, or any which way in the world, inside yourself and outside yourself, um, to move forward in positive and productive ways. And and you're, you know, I should ask you what, what, because you embodied that, you embraced that back in 1996 and look what you have done and accomplished. Well, one of the things that you, you taught me back then was, um, and somebody commented kind of around this, which was this concept of, um, for, I think what it was, you framed it as, you know, if you like to be, if you, how many of you by a show of hands, think you actually asked this and I asked this in my programs, how many of you want, con you know, control of your life? And everyone says, you know, yes. And, uh, you know, you did, a, you did this in a roundabout way and, and you might recall this, but I remember thinking, yeah, I'll be, I, we all like control. And then some of us are more control freaks than others, but we all like to have some type of, feel like we have some sort of control in our lives. Well, but assigning blame forfeits that control. So if you're going to blame other people or other things or circumstances or, or your, or anything other than yourself, you're forfeiting, uh, your control to be able to change it. You're saying that, if, if it's their fault, they have to change. If it's his fault or her fault or, you know, whatever's whoever's fault, in order for you to feel better or to be more productive, they would have to change. And that you can't do anything to change other people or other circumstances. So what you said was very useful when you said it may not be true, but it's a useful belief to have, which is I it's a, everything's 100 percent my fault. It's my responsibility for how I respond to it. And it puts me back into control. So I you were able to connect that for me, which was wait a minute, if I like control so much and I really want to be in control of my life and if someone's listening or watching and they want to be in more control of their life, then it only makes sense to take 100% responsibility for your life going forward. And that was profound for me and I've been teaching it ever since, Rex. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Think of all the lives that are changing as a result of that. That is so very cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, the thing is, is you cannot be in control of your life if you're blaming others, if you're blaming circumstances, if you're blaming the environment, if you're blaming the God or the politics or the religion or your kids or your boss or your workers, you're not in charge. They are, you know, and you can't be in charge if you're making excuses and if you're complaining and whining and going, you know, there ought to be a law. Somebody ought to do something. You're not in you're not in charge. It's, it's claiming back your power. Now, power is, there's a lot of different things to power. Power is like an explosion. Boom, big boom, a lot of effect, doesn't last very long, it's over, okay? And the results could be great, you cleared a rock out of the road or you blew up the wrong thing. You've got storms like hurricanes, immense power could last a long time, okay? But it's raging for a long time and it's going on and on. There's that kind of power. 
there's a electrical power that powers all your stuff. It's just a steady current that you plug into every now and then. And guess what? The lights come on, the TV comes on, the radio comes on, you know, things work. But there's the power of the plant, like the flower. The flower grows and, and it grows and in the wind, in the rain, in the sun, you know, whatever the environment does, it grows. And, and you know, it's like the reed becomes strong or the tree becomes strong because of the wind and because of the challenges. You don't want a life that has no challenge, no, no obstacle, no, nothing for you to pursue or to overcome. And you're never going to have it anyway. You know, <laughs> but think of it this way. We operate on the assumption that tomorrow gravity will be in effect. And it most likely will be. We believe that it's there. But it could end. It, the uh, gravity could stop tomorrow and we'd all hurl off the planet. You know, something. But we act as if it's true that tomorrow or we act as if the sun will come up tomorrow. And so it doesn't have to you don't have it doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to be. Uh, gospel for you in order for you to to act as if useful has to be useful right um you want to put the dogs out while i, I, talk do. I do. could you see that in my face <laughs> okay. i'll let you take them out people will be forgiving because this is so much this is such good information this entire 46 minutes has been invaluable thank you so oh my I'll, God. I'll bring you back in when you come back in no worries okay so when he, when he talks about you know these belief systems that we have and um, what he's what he's sharing is that we have the opportunity to create the belief systems that can empower us. Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, and we can disregard, or let go of the beliefs that disempower us. And for me, the the belief of I'm 100% responsible for my life. I'm uh, 100% in charge of of how I respond. And if something turns out not the way that I intended, if something goes completely disarray, it's my fault. And I have. I've done a lot of things wrong uh, in my life that I've had to take responsibility for and then simply say, all right, how do I improve upon this? How do I get better tomorrow and not hang on and latch on to something of the past that would otherwise bring me down if I would have spent my time focusing on that? But I'm not going to blame other people for any of it. And that was a turning point for me because I came out of my training with Rex in 1996 with this entire new perspective of, okay, I can blame all these, you know, the the, the way what I can blame God. I can say, you know, why did you take my parents from me, and why did um, you kind of spring all this responsibility on me with the, with the children? Um, or I can say, man, what a blessing that I have that now I have an opportunity to be there as a dad and a father for my kids. Um, I can I can design whatever future I want to be because it's up to me. It isn't up to other people. My goodness, if you're constantly blaming other people, not only do you not have control and you've lost control and you've forfeited it, but you have you're you're letting someone else steer your ship to wherever you're going to go. You you have no direction. So this is uh, great stuff. You talk about in the book. Let's shift just a little bit before we wrap up here. You say decide what kind of creator and magnet you are going to be. Can you speak to that? What do you mean by that? Because I, I love both those terms, by the way. <laughs> People think the law of attraction has to do with attracting things from elsewhere to yourself. And it may, and it could, and it does, and it is. I mean, it's all those kinds of things. But really, if you study the law of attraction, if you study the, the universal laws, and you study uh, how they're applied, what you understand is, if it's going to happen, it's up to you. That's that old saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And there's probably nothing truer than that. So if you can keep that in mind as a principle, if it's going to be, it's up to me, then it puts you right in the driver's seat with that. So you're a creator of your life. If you want your life to work and you want everything to get better, it's up to you to make that happen. People will say, well, I don't know how. And that's an excuse. You start with where you're at. You start with where your feet are. You start with where you're facing and you just start doing things. First right. thing to do is manage your mindset. Pardon me? I love that. Yeah. You know, if you want, if you want more money, you make it happen. You know, you can sit in your room and go, I'm a vessel for money and money flows to me and it's all good. That's great. That is, that's, that's tilling the soil. That's getting or preparing the soil for, for everything else. You may have to do that before you actually do anything. Um, but if you don't 
take control, if you don't take charge, if you don't act as a creator, you won't create anything. You'll just sit there and wait for things to happen. You end up as a victim. You call, you said so, most people are exquisite creators of crap. <laughs> And they're crap magnets. As and they are, they they create what they do. They do what they've already done. They continually to do. It goes back to dog crap and diamonds. They they live out of the habits that they learned from zero to seven. Real quick, um, you have um, we're kind of wrapping up here at the end of the show anyway, and I want to make sure people can get something that you have for free on your site. So, how do people find out about you? Rex, where can they go? They can visit ideaseminars.com. I-D-E-A, the hyphen symbol or dash seminars, S-E-M-I-N-A-R-S.com. You have it, uh, you'll have it below. If you're listening to it, just make sure that between the word idea and seminars, you have a hyphen. So it's idea-seminars.com. And then you have a uh, program there called Your Biggest Problem and What to Do About It. Overcome Obstacles, Develop a Powerful Mindset, Stop Struggling, Live the Life You Deserve right there on the homepage of your site, which is a couple chapters of your book, audio, uh, so there's a couple, it's as, as, as an audio download as well. And um, I would encourage everyone to take a look at Life on Your Terms and pick up a copy or copy of it and uh, and uh, get a review for, for uh, Rex. This is an incredible opportunity to learn from somebody that I've learned a great deal from over the years, we actually hadn't reconnected for like 20 years or over 20 years. So it's great reconnecting with you. Right. It's been a blessing having you on the show. Um, and you just went through so much stuff, like a masterclass on, on, on getting out of your own way, man. I love it. Well, and it's really simple and it's really fun. And what I, what I hope people do when they get the book and get it from my website or from Amazon, um, you know, it's available, uh, is, is that it's fun and it's a process. And if you, if you, if you, when you read the book, it's like me talking to you as opposed to reading a, you know, a technical book. And so it's, it's, it's like whispering in your ear, you know, Hey, remember to do this, remember to do that, you know, and, 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 uh, but people can, uh, what I'm so pleased is, is that the people who've been reading the book, sending me notes and messages are saying, you know what, this works. It's, I, I've done it. I've taken back my life. I'm, or I'm in the process of doing it. They're actually putting, into practice uh, what they're getting from the book and that and that there is the key you know knowledge is useless if it doesn't lead to some form of action action is the fruit of knowledge and if you say you know you know don't do anything then you really don't know but if you know and you do and you apply even if it doesn't work out you get feedback you know that you correct and you adjust and you can continue and move forward so the good news is, is you can live the life of your dreams. You can make life absolutely marvelous and incredible. You just have to start. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Rex. Thanks for being the guest on the show today. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for attending, for engaging. Um, and we'll see you next time on the Not Your Average Joe Show. Um, appreciate everybody's spending some time with us today. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor Joe Soto.